Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Start your winning season at MyBookie. Sign up with MyBookie. Use our promo code Gators to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime at my bookie. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me for this instant reaction not too long after Florida loses to UCF 29-17. to Co-host Will Miles, you can find him on his site, readandreaction.com, on YouTube at Read and Reaction, and on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. Will, it's finally over. <laughs> that, was pre- that was pretty ugly, man. That was pretty yeah. ugly. I, you know, hey, I, I guess congratulations to Central Florida or UCSF, whatever the officials called them. And, uh, you know, hey, we knew it was it was going to be bad if we wound up losing to them. So we're going to have to hear from those guys for the yep. rest of the off season. And thankfully, uh, Billy Napier is here, and uh, you know we'll we'll see what he can build because we're going to get these guys again in a couple of years, and we'll see where Gus builds his program and where Napier builds his. But uh, a rough watch tonight, that's for sure. Absolutely, we're, we're coming on the heels. Like I said, right? If you're watching live, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. But we are coming to you for the first time. We've done this right after the game. So first thoughts. Hopefully, Justin Shorter will is okay. Uh, nasty hit there at the toward the end of the game uh, was carted off the field. So hopefully he's all. Uh, you know, hopefully we hear some words soon that uh, he he will be fine. Uh, so we'll be looking out for that. If anybody hears anything, put it in the YouTube chat. Uh, under, uh, we'll do something different tonight, too. Uh, Gators Breakdown Plus members will join us on the Discord side. So uh, maybe we'll hear on that side as well if we hear anything uh, soon about Justin Shorter there. So we'll um, – but, yeah, Gators go down um, 29-17. Will, ugly first half of a game. Uh, UCS able to put some drives together in the second half, put some big plays together in the second half to uh, kind of separate from Florida. Uh, you know, just big plays uh, ended up being a whole lot of the difference. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it was just, man, everything – th- this game just encompassed the whole season. Uh, besides turnovers, I mean, 
granted, we didn't get the Emory Jones turnovers, but you know, the, the penalties, the lack of accuracy, um, you know, all, all over defense, uh, you know, lack of tackling at times, penalties on the, the those guys, uh, special teams. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start on those special teams, uh, tonight, but just well, it was just a perfect example tonight was of just Dan Mullen's last season at Florida these last few games uh, without him as well. I mean, it's just a, it, it really was a, a perfect example of the way this year played out. Yeah. So the first thing I want to do is express the same thing you did about shorter. Hopefully he's hopefully he's OK. They did mention on the telecast that he was talking to the trainers. They were carting him off. So that's at least good news, at least from the initial indications. But obviously, we'll wait to hear more there. But certainly our, our thoughts and prayers with him and his family. I um, mean, never want to see something like that. But uh, going to the actual game. Yeah. I mean, you know, the special teams, I mean, you kick one right off the guy. You got like nine guys around it. And nobody's able to recover it. And UCF gets it. I mean, it was sort of a, a, a key sequence there right where you've got the onside kick failure um even if that i'm not even sure if they meant to do that <laughs> i couldn't tell on the yeah. telecast whether they meant to do it but once they did it it was like oh man well it's it's, it's right there um you know then they had the unsportsmanlike penalty on dexter the roughing the passer on cox so that was questionable maybe yeah uh bernie has a chance to get an interception there in the end zone on that bad throw from gatewood uh, that one's hard right that one's coming fast but still hit him right in the hands and then right after that they got the three and out where pierce goes for a yard they throw a ball to copeland for five yards then copeland gets the offensive pass interference and you're like oh god uh, three and out and then they have shorter wide open going down the middle and overthrow him and then the next play is that 54 yard bomb to O'Keefe that just really sort of puts the game away so it was one of those things where you just like everything in about a two or three minute span sort of all of the inconsistencies finally hit all at once they had been sort of hitting you know oh we'll we'll shoot ourselves in the foot here in the first quarter oh we'll fail in the red zone oh we'll make a bad decision as to whether to go for a field goal or or go for it on fourth down i think early in the game they went for it on fourth and five and and rick wells sort of stumbled hit him off the hands and so they turned it over probably could have taken the field goal there um though i'm i'm okay with being aggressive yeah. there and the ball hit the ball hits him right in the hands you need to catch that ball um a lot, a, lot of drops, a lot of drops tonight, Will. Well, you just yeah, lack well, of focus. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you think about that fourth and five, it came right after a third and five where Kamori Campbell got hit right in the hands, you know, right at the sticks. And so that's why they were going for it on fourth and five. So it, there were individual plays the entire night that sort of just exemplified the season. And then there was about a two or three minute stretch where they had about five or six of those all come at once. <laughs> and the minute those came, it was just like an avalanche of points for you, for uh, Central Florida. And, uh, you know, Florida couldn't keep up, which has sort of been the, the story of the season, right? I mean, we came into the season, and I, I mean, I was just as guilty as anybody. I said, hey, I think Dan Mullen, I'm not worried about the offensive side of the ball. They're going to average yeah. 32, 33 points a game, and we're going to be fine. And uh, end of the day, you know, we lose to a Central Florida team that scores, you know, and only scores 17. And that's kind of what the end of the year was like is, you know, the offense just sputtered the entire second half of the season. That's why you're six and seven. Yeah, not you're not sticking with the run uh, enough. You had you were running the ball well, and for whatever reason, after those couple nice drives where you where you score touchdowns running the ball most of the time, you come out throwing the ball all over the place. And well, let's get into it here. Uh, you know what took me just a little bit before we get started uh, bringing up these graphics just a bit here. Here are the uh, here is the stat comparison uh, for Florida UCF. UCF ends up outgaining Florida four thirty six to three seventy six. Uh, Florida with more passing yards one hundred and seventy one. Uh, to UCS 148, UCF was able to hit their big ball down the field there for a big difference and a score on the touchdown. 
UCF outgains Florida on the ground as well, 288 yards to 205. You see the eight penalties for Florida, eight for 85. What do you think? Look, I think a lot of them were, a few of them were questionable. Still, it was a common theme for Florida. Still, you know, they, they were there. Uh, even some of the, the, the questionable ones, you know, there were others outside of that too uh, that helped doom Florida. 20 to 19 edge for UCF in first downs. Neither team great on third down, but Florida dreadful. Two of 13 on third down. Then UCF, look at there. Two of two on fourth down. Florida 0 for 2 on fourth down. As you heard Will and I just discussed there, UCF ran a total of 75 plays to the Gators 67. 5.8 yards per play for UCF compared to 5.6 for Florida. Gators, 6.8 yards rush. There you go. That's why you can be a little frustrated. Of course, once again, not sticking with the run game, not sticking with a hot hand at running back. Uh, it was Pierce early, Malik Davis as the game went on. Both guys did some good things. Florida, for whatever reason, once again decided not to stick with them. And the run game, no turnover for each team, but that's kind of – well, there you go. We talked about uh, things that continued. No turnovers for the Florida defense uh, once again. And, and you know, I, I thought that might actually come around because the way they were flying all, all, you know, all around the first half, they were in the backfield, they were creating a whole lot of pressure, a lot of havoc. I was just waiting for that turnover to come. It never did for the Florida defense. And they're uh, two sacks apiece uh, for each team. And Will will go to the offensive stats right here. And, of course, uh, you look at it here, Emory Jones should have never been throwing 36 times uh, we if, if you would have told me he was 14 to 36 before the game started i'd have said okay well florida's gonna lose this game 14 to 36 171 yards there uh for emory jones twit whittemore 0 for 1 which would have been the uh, a rush he had he, he saw gamble wide open i think he just he just tried to rush it tried to get the ball out should have been an easy touchdown for florida uh but it was not score anyway with malik davis on the very next play uh, there, but uh, still <laughs> a play there from Whittemore uh, that he's hit at times this season, uh, but 0 for 1 there for the game. And at receiving, Justin Shorter, Rick Welsh, Trent Whittemore, each with three catches. Shorter led the way, 54 yards uh, there. And then rushing, of course, as you said, Malik Davis, seven attempts, 86 yards in his finale, his hometown, 12.3 yards a carry, and he only gets seven carries. Emory Jones, 10 carries, 62 yards. Damian Pierce, 13 carries, 57 yards. Uh, was a force at the beginning of the game, uh, and then Florida just decided not to run with him at the beginning of the game there, Will. So there's your offensive statistics, Will. What catches your eye overall And as we go through those stats there right quick? I mean, the thing that really catches my eye is that you're supposed to be more efficient in the passing game than you are <laughs> in the running game. Most teams average more more yards per attempt in the passing game, even if they're terrible. Um, and Florida averages 4.6 yards per attempt in the passing game. That's just not going to get the job done. That won't get the job done in Pop Warner, let alone in college football. So... Yeah, that, that's the thing that jumps out at me. Obviously, the 39% completion percentage is a problem. Um, you know, you've got their 12.2 yards per completion. So when they hit them, they actually did hit them yeah. down the field a little bit. But I think that's part of the problem, right? It wasn't until that drive in the fourth quarter where they came down and missed the field goal where they started throwing back shoulder throws to the outside, which is really where you figured they might have had an advantage as opposed to some of the stuff they were throwing over the middle. But to your point, I mean, they had 37 passing attempts. They had 30 rushing attempts. 
and that's with starting out the game with 14 rushes and eight passes in the first Mm -hmm. quarter. So, you know, they had seven rushes and 14 passes in the second quarter, then seven rushes and eight passes in the third quarter, and then two rushes and seven passes in the fourth quarter, which you can understand in the fourth quarter because they're behind, right? But you come out of halftime and you, and you still chuck the ball over the place. Yeah. 6.9 yards per rush at halftime. Uh, look, I mean, it, it, Malik Davis had that big drive. He just got one more carry the rest of the game, right? <laughs> Emory Jones, who we all know needs to be efficient in the running game and was in the first half. You know, he had, uh, you know, in that first half, he had eight rushes for 66 yards. So averaged 8.3 yards per rush. Had that big conversion, right? I think it was like third and 16 or something. And he went for 19 or 20 yards. Mm-hmm. He had two rushes for minus four yards in the second half. And one of them was a sack. So they had that one rush where they got stoned before they missed the field goal, and that was the only time they ran Emory Jones in the second half. Here's the reality. He's the threat. He's not accurate enough to be able to to be able to keep the defense honest if the defense doesn't think he's going to go and doesn't think he's going to pull the ball down and run, and they just didn't do that very much there in that second half, and, and that's one of the reasons why the offense stalled. Now, the offense stalled in the first half too. I mean, there were a bunch of trips where they got either in the red zone or close to the red zone, either didn't convert it into points or had to settle for field goals, but uh, you know that's sort of been the story of the year, right, is that Florida's offense is not explosive enough or has not been explosive enough to – manufacture they have to have drives that go eight yards six yards four yards seven yards and then they get they get the third and one fourth and one and if they can't convert then then that's the end of the drive and we had a bunch of those in the first half they only had three explosives through the first three quarters they only had one explosive in the whole first half um and, and that's the story of the game right the 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 offense bogs down like crazy when they don't get explosive plays and the only place for explosive plays this year has been anthony richardson and if we're honest richardson's the only reason we won the fsu game mm-hmm. he came in and he and pierce led the led them to i think 10 of their 20 you know two scores out of their out of the three scores they had in that game or four scores they had in that game um, they were the reason that they won that game and the they FSU didn't have anthony richardson to go to the FSU game probably looks exactly like this game if Anthony Richardson never plays. And well, that's been the story of the year, man. If Anthony Richardson had played in uh, in any of these games, I feel like Florida would have had a better record because we, you know, they 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 had the montage of all the one score losses that Florida's experienced this year. Thankfully, they didn't show any of that Georgia debacle or the South Carolina debacle, <laughs> but the. Uh, you know, they showed the the four one score losses, and and those one score losses are all tied into the fact that the offense is not explosive enough to be able to give Florida a lead. I mean, it's funny, I I don't know the numbers, but I feel like Florida's been ahead seven to nothing in every game this year, <laughs> and, and then they just can't hold it. It's like the defense was fine for three or four drives, they get up seven nothing, and immediately Central Florida comes down the other direction and and punches it in and misses right. a two point conversion, but still. It's seven to six. That has been the story all year long. That when the offense has scored, gotten them up seven nothing, they've then immediately stalled, and that's what happened in the first half, right? I mean, you look at the, you wait, know, wait, the yeah, score. Yeah, first half, 10, 10 nine Florida at halftime, two hundred and thirty three to one hundred and forty yard edge for Florida, five point four yards a, a play to four point four for UCF. So you averaged a whole yard more in the first half. As I said, six point nine yards per rush. Emory was nine of twenty two. He had 22 attempts in the first half. I mean, what? I mean, you know, we slammed the staff, and rightfully so. I mean, come on, we knew the issue here. He should not have been throwing for 22 times in the first half. Should never happen. Pierce 10 carries, 52 yards. Davis three carries, 27 yards. It was obvious what was working, and you know, you didn't stick with it enough. Second half comes with it. 
Uh, Gus Malzahn come out and say, hey, in the second half, we're going to run the ball. We're going to put a hat on a hat, and we're going to run the ball right at Florida. And they did so. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, congratulations, Central Florida. I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of stuff that's correctable here and correctable pretty quick. And so that gives me hope for the Napier era as it starts. I think there's some disciplinary things that, you know, guys who don't guys who don't want to uh, um, to get on board are going to hear about it and are going to have their playing time affected. I think that, uh, you know, we're going to see guys like Demarcus Bowman, Lorenzo Lingard have to step up because of departures. But also, I think the best players are going to play. And at the end of the day, I think that, you know, this game isn't a surprise. This is what we've seen all year. I mean, I, I expected – so Central Florida is not that great a team, and so I, I did expect Florida to win this game. But um, and, and I think if you watch the first half, you walked away going, yeah, Florida's a better team. They just keep shooting themselves in the foot. Second half, I think you'd say Before, I think you'd before say we go Florida's forward, I put, I, put, I put the poll up at halftime. Does Florida win? 71 – basically 72% of – I think it was around 400 voters there because I only put it up for 10 minutes because I put it up right around halftime. 72% said yes, Florida was going to win the game, leading 10 9 at halftime. Yeah. I mean, and the statistical profile said that you'd be right if you made that prediction, yeah. right? But but here's the problem is, is that stats only matter if you can actually put the ball in the end zone. And well, if you're did we dis- learn that this year. <laughs> well, I mean, this is only the second time we've lost the stat battle, the yardage battle all year long. So, and even won it in the first half. That's why we were ahead by a point because we won the yardage battle there. There the you go. Half. Look, man. I, I think at the end of the day, and I, I think you sort of felt this coming into the game. I mean, I, I released an article today on on uh, on Jack Miller, the transfer coming in from Ohio State, with a little blurb about the Gasparilla Bowl in it because I think that's how most people felt coming into this one. It's 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 nice to see these guys off. I wish Emory Jones had played better uh, because I do feel like he's handled himself with class this year, in particular with all the stuff swirling with Mullen and Richardson. And you know, it would have been really easy to lash out at people and 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 defend yourself and those sorts of things and he's been very classy throughout the entire thing i would have loved to have seen him go out with a win i would have loved to have seen him prove to people that some of the things that they've been saying about him are wrong but unfortunately what happened tonight is he basically sort of he he gathered up all the things other than the turnovers that have frustrated us all year long and just (laughs) threw them in one big soup for the game against central florida tonight and the coaches did the same thing and you know i think it was after the vanderbilt game People were upset about us because, or people were upset with us because we were we were complaining about about different things. And you know, well, how could we you complain? Being, Florida we won. Nitpicky, Will. We were being nitpicky. Well, and the thing was, is you could tell that the, yep. the only thing you came out of that Vanderbilt game with was this team's inconsistent, and that this team makes mistakes all throughout the game, and those mistakes are eventually going to cost them, and that's what's happened. So. Napier has a reputation for that not being acceptable within his programs, right? That that you're not going to have a guy make a tackle for a loss and then stand over and taunt the guy in a game that's that's either tied or you're behind. Um, well, I guess we were ahead by a point at that point, but you know those sorts of things aren't going to be acceptable, right? We'll see. I mean, maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But at the end of the day, those things clearly have been acceptable under this staff, and it costs Florida at times, and and certainly cost him the night against Central Florida. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get to uh, Gators Breakdown Plus Discord members, uh, looking at taking a look at the defensive stats right quick before we head over there. Gervin Dexter leads the team, nine total tackles, eight of them solo, one tackle for loss there. Uh, Trey Dean with a high number of tackles there, but we also saw him lost in coverage at times, missing tackles as well. Uh, they're just kind of 
par for the course uh, when you want to look at Trey Dean's play this year. Mari Bernie, six tackles, five solos. Mill mentioned earlier had that dropped interception. It would have been tough, as I said, to jump past there, laser jump past there from uh, Gatewood. Uh, but Mari Bernie died. not able to come up uh, with the uh, interception, but in play, in position to make the play. Derek Wingo, Rashad Torrance, six tackles apiece. Good, nice to see young linebacker there, Derek Wingo, uh, come up there. Brenton Cox with a, a few nice plays uh, as well, five tackles uh, for him, one sack. Uh, he had that really big uh, quarterback run there uh, for UCF and just stonewalls the quarterback there. Uh, Brenton uh, did Brenton Cox. Tyron Hopper was everywhere in the first half, of course, got thrown out for a phantom punch but more of a push but i guess they want to call it a punch to throw him out of the game four tackles for, for him he was everywhere uh on the field one and a half tackle for loss uh if you're watching the youtube version you can sit uh, and look at the rest of uh the defensive stats right there but uh, the big takeaways uh, uh will from the from the defense mostly gervin dexter uh brenton cox uh tyron hopper in the first half and uh you know just giving a as I said, in the first half, flying all over the field, uh, creating creating all kind of havoc, but uh, too many times uh, in the second half, not able to stop the big play. Uh, UCF gets their ground game going. The points that we saw this year, uh, you know, what wasn't a great performance by UCF on offense by any means. Uh, their, their quarterback uh, really couldn't uh, hit much with consistency, was able to hit the ball down the field uh, more so than Emory Jones did, uh, and enough to uh, break away from the Gators. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, the offense didn't do him a lot of favors, right? No. So you had three three-and-outs and one four-and-out on downs out of, I think, six or seven total drives there in the second half. So the defense wasn't getting a lot of rest, and obviously the defense was thin because of some of the guys up front, especially, who weren't playing in this game. Dexter, I think, played real well, obviously acquitted himself. You can see it in some of the ta- in some of the stats there. Hopper, obviously, I think was the star. Everybody was looking at that going, how's this guy not played all year? <laughs> or how has he not played very much? thought Derek Wingo played pretty well as well. Um, Human Milan was actually out there quite a bit, and you, you saw him making a little bit of an impact. Um, Scooby, Scooby and- Williams early, young linebacker, freshman linebacker out there early as well. A little bit. I, I got to tell you, if Napier's going to do a sales job, I really want to see if he can. Let, let's convince Kyrie Elam to come back one more year. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. But Elam and Marshall out there are pretty solid. And so, you know, with, with some of the guys, you know, you hope that you get some uh, some instant impact from a guy like Kamari Wilson coming in. And then obviously Rashard Torrance and, and, and some of the guys at safety have been getting better throughout the year, but still. Um, I think it was Trev- was it Trevez Johnson who got Trevez beat on the long on the long throw, yeah. and he you was know, making are, he was, and he was making some nice plays before that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but again, that 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 goes back to the inconsistency and goes back mm-hmm. to making sure that you've got the competition that's there. Um, so you know, look, I, I think I think Florida has the bones of a team that can be very good. I don't know if they have the bones of a team that can compete for the SEC yet. I think that's that's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's going to be kind of a miracle if if uh, Napier has them competing for it next year. But I think if you add a couple of elite guys, like if you think about what Urban Meyer did when he came in in 2005, he had a team that went nine and three, struggled on offense sometimes. Um, you know, had to sort of redesign the offense and put a fullback in there after a bye week before Georgia and those sorts of things. I think that's probably what you're looking at next year. But then when you when you actually, if you can bring in a couple of guys who are high, high, high level skill guys. Now, I mean, obviously Meyer hit pretty hot, pretty, pretty heavy with Tim Tebow and Percy Harvin. I'm not saying you're going to be able to bring in a guy like Harvin, but if, if you can hit in your, in your bump class, your second class, 
with guys like that, then all of a sudden the jump is possible pretty quickly, especially if all the dumb penalties and special teams mistakes and all that stuff starts to get eliminated. So I, I actually come out of this, you know, obviously disappointed that you lose the game, you'd like to win it. But I'm not I'm not devastated or anything like that. I don't feel like Florida was an inferior team to Central Florida. I feel like they were an inferior coached team to Central mm-hmm. Florida. I feel like that from a disciplinary perspective, you knew that it was going to get chippy at some point, and just about all the personal fouls went Florida's way um, or went against Florida. Um, and, and so I think those are things that hopefully can be easily fixed. And with some technique, I think that some of these guys who struggled, especially you know the minute that deep ball went up to 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 O'Keefe, you were like, well, that one's getting caught. Because yeah. that's what's happened all year I, long, I, I right? Even, I even said in, in the uh, Discord chat, I felt that play right before it even happened. I was like, this you know, this is where they're going to take their shot and get it. And yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right, is that I'm not sure that there's been a time this year where a team's taken their shot against Florida and hasn't been able to get it. Because, yeah. you know, you put it up there, you put enough air under it, and the Florida DBs have not been able to adjust. And that's really been a two-year problem now for Florida. Um, whereas, you know, when Florida had its shots, Emory Jones overthrew it by four or five yards just about every mm-hmm. time. And, you know, if he hits some of those big plays, Florida's up 30 to thirty to yeah. 10 or something, and the game's not even remotely close. So, you know, if Kyle Trask is the quarterback, this game, Florida wins easily. And well, Florida's, so I, not, Florida's not playing UCF if Kyle Trask is the quarterback, Will. Uh, that may be true, <laughs> but I, I guess that my point, though, is, is that with, with significant, improvement, significant improvement in the passing game, the the Florida is the significantly better team with the handicap that they had behind center tonight and with the handicap that they had in terms of the play calling where they weren't where they were putting it in the hands of a guy who was clearly struggling um you know then you then central Florida is a better team and that's that's the reality it sucks but that's the reality and yeah we got to oh something happened with will there we'll get him back there of uh hopefully don't know what happened there <laughs> uh but we'll get we'll get him back um there we go there he I, is I, you, you kicked me out what are you doing i don't think i kicked you out i was gonna say i was just about to hurt you were gonna have to bleep me hey here we go instant reaction there some, uh, something new uh happened there so uh yeah i don't know what happened there but uh you're back you're back um all right well we'll get to um uh, Gators Breakdown Plus Discord members, uh, of course, uh, a being a member there gets you the benefit here. We'll end the season, put a bow on the season uh, with uh, Gators Breakdown Plus uh, Discord members. But before uh, we get there, of course, one more word from my bookie. It's bowl season, of course, but it's holiday season as well. And holiday season is upon us, and my bookie is in the giving spirit with 12 straight days of giveaways Every day, there's a new exclusive promotion for you to redeem, and the best part is it's all free when you sign up and make your first deposit with my bookie. Starting a couple of days ago on December 21st and ending on January 1st, you can bring in the new year right with giveaways that can help you fill your stocking with cash this holiday season. From odds boost, odds boost to casino chips to straight-up locks, my bookie's 12 days of giveaways is a can't-miss promotion. And that's not all. To get you started, MyBookie is matching all first-time deposits up to $1,000 with my promo code GATERS. That's double your funds to double your winnings and get in on all the best action at MyBookie.ag. So don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using promo code GATERS. Head to MyBookie, place your bets, and get in on the best 12 days of the year. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. 
All right, so here we go. I'm going to try this for the first time. Let me hit over there to the Discord side of everything. All right, guys, uh, over here on Discord, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, there we go. What's up, Nick? Yep. All right, guys, you've been listening to us for the last few minutes. We'll get your thoughts here as well. So uh, who wants to start this off? We can uh, do, kind of do Q&A style, or you guys can just comment along the way, but kind of, you know, radio call-in style right here. Well, Dave, if no one's going to talk, I will, because you know <laughs> I always have something to say. So mine was just a question for both uh, you and Will. Why do you think after it was so apparently obvious that Emery wasn't going to be able to get the job, that one of the three other quarterbacks on the roster didn't at least get a chance under, under center. Uh, I think it's just right. The, the staff is ride or die with Emory. I'm not sure they, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree. I think you probably try something different. Uh, if, we, if he would have saw, if we would have saw the interceptions like we did versus FSU, I think we probably do see a different quarterback, but I think they still thought that he gave him the best chance. Uh, and you know, since he wasn't turning the ball over, uh, but you know, you were missing, you left a lot of the plays out on the field, uh, there with Emory Jones and I granted, uh, you know, we're we're not the coaches. I would I would have given uh, an, another guy a shot there, uh, as you said, maybe probably midway through the third quarter. Once he starts missing some of those uh, deep passes down the field again, I think you got to try something different. See if one of those guys uh, out there that are the backing up him, Del Rio or or Kitna, can hit those downfield throws. But uh, they certainly were not there with him. He held the offense back, uh, but. Honestly, uh, I still think you probably have a good chance winning the game, keeping Emory out there and just running the ball uh, with the running back. So uh, I, I wish that would have happened more so than maybe even switching quarterbacks. But uh, I just uh, – I can't speak for the staff, only just that they probably trust Emory much more than they do the young guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was close until there was a minute left in the third, right? I mean, it's it's 19 to well, 17 until there's a minute left in the third. <laughs> All I can say. Yep, I think so too. I think we're glad it's over. But go ahead, Will. Well, I was just going to say it was close until you get to that bomb to make it twenty-six to seventeen there with a minute left in the third quarter. So to me, the reason that they didn't take him out. And what happened? Everybody go to bed. <laughs> I guess they can't hear us. Yeah. I I don't know if Will is speaking, but I can't hear Will. Oh, you can't hear Will. No. Oh, that might be what it is. That might be an issue there. That's weird. You hear me though. Is he even in? Yeah, this? we can hear you fine. Oh, okay. I bet it is. I, I know what's happening there. Yeah, it's since I'm in the Discord, you guys can hear me, but you can't. You can't hear Will. You, you just have to tell him what I'm talking yeah, about. Turned well, well, to get in Discord. Didn't want the, yeah. didn't want the competing. Uh... <laughs> so I guess I can let you guys know when you're up um, there. So I'll let Will finish his thought, and then I'll uh, then I'll let I'll give somebody else the, the floor. Nah, I guess we'll I was, this, so. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think the staff wanted Emery to, to finish like his career. Wizard of Oz right here. You'll see the behind the glass, <laughs> or behind the curtain. All right, let him go, yeah. Dave. Yep, yeah, okay. Uh, learning process here. So, uh, all right, who else has got a, no, another thought here? I'll you know, bring you, introduce yourself, uh, whoever you are, and then everybody know that or who you are, and then I will uh, – I'll let you know when Will is done and I'll bring the next person in. 
The cash you in here? All right. Who are we waiting on? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. If you want, if you got something to say. Nah, I'm good, really. I mean, unless y'all got something for me to go off of, I kind of got my thing out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I know you did say it's. It, you're glad it's over, uh, and I think we all kind of share that sentiment uh, whatsoever. One more last game. Yeah, you know, I hate it for the players, uh, especially somebody like Malik Davis, who hometown game uh, was showing out in his in his last game. Uh, doesn't get a chance to kind of finish the game off uh, when he's out there performing uh, as we, and that's all you could really ask for. Uh, I know we all have clamored for Damian Pearson. He was playing so well in the first half, uh, but Malik Davis out there showing what he's worth and, and getting the yards, getting the carries, scoring a touchdown. And then will he just magically just doesn't get the ball anymore. Yeah. Seems like uh, that's been the MO all year, right? They, they, they have been stubborn. They've stuck to their guns. Interesting choices for, uh, or should I speak now? I'm sorry. <laughs> go, go ahead, boy. He can hear you, but then I'll, 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 I'll let you know when you guys can hop in. Well, what I was saying, wasn't it interesting, the choices that they made for coaches? And it's the worst special teams that we've had in quite some time. We make the special teams coordinator the head coach. Possibly the worst linebacker play we've had in recent memory. So we'll make the linebacker coach the D.C. And absolutely no quarterback development throughout the year. So let's make the quarterback coach the offensive coordinator. <laughs> that was that was uh, some impressive thinking there. Yeah, well, to extend those two thoughts, you know, Billy Gonzalez and John Hevesy are named co-offensive coordinators before the season, uh, but you know, not. Uh, oh, I guess it was. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, Hevesy and Gonzalez and. It's a good point that you know Gonzalez not a chance who's been in this offense quite for a, for a long time, not calling plays. Yeah, well, let's be honest. I mean, they weren't scoring a ton when Mullen was in charge before they got <laughs> rid of Havasi and yeah. Grantham. So I'm not really all that um, concerned that maybe they were missing something, other than the fact that these are guys who are new, right? They're guys who don't necessarily know these players as well as maybe some of the other coaches might, but. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where, especially in this game, they've had a month to prepare, and they should be ready to make adjustments regardless of who they are. <laughs> yeah, you said they had a, a month to prepare. I think they may have practiced five or six times. They, I think you get 14 or 15 bowl practices and did not even take advantage of all of them. Well, the coaches had a month to prepare. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, somebody's going to hire them. Uh, well, at least maybe they shouldn't after this, but, but but they were auditioning too. You figure if you want to be an offensive coordinator in, in the SEC, that this was your opportunity to show it and uh, suspect they're going to be playing in like the FBS level next year or something. Yeah, it makes you wonder. I mean, you don't you have not heard a lot about any of this current staff getting jobs anywhere. Um, so I, somebody had messaged, uh, messaged that to me. Uh, in the Twitter DM that, yeah, is that I kind of find it alarming that none of those guys are, you, you don't hear those guys getting jobs anywhere. And I, you know, I guess so, but uh, maybe keeping it under wraps a bit. I guess you probably would have heard some hints if Brewster or C Rob or somebody uh, there, you know, there was some word that C Rob may be uh, getting a look at, you know, f- from Napier during bowl practices, uh, maybe a relationship with the players, see how that goes uh, and, and all that. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there will be any holdovers. Uh, from the staff, we see Rob being the only one that, we, if we had 
taken any of the rumors from the last couple of weeks to heart, he would have been the only one they really even given a chance. So, uh, yeah, we can get a fresh start. I think after this game, we all want to see that fresh start. We're, we're ready to turn the page uh, to the Billy Napier era. All right. Yeah, so this did not turn out like I thought it would. I say I had I had the test, Will. Everything's good. I can hear them, they can hear me, but I didn't think about them not being able to hear you. So <laughs> we'll fix it for next year. That way yes. during the Napier era we'll be able to do this. Yeah, that was kind of uh, uh this was a test run here for that. Uh that's easy. It's an easy fix. Uh but that's one part that I didn't even think about uh honestly. So um well <laughs> This stat, well, here you go. Uh, I meant to throw this in at the beginning. Andrea Adelson, she tweeted it out during the game. Interesting little nugget here via ESPN Stats and Info. The last in-state school other than Miami and Florida State to beat Florida was Stetson in 1938. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, this is the first staff to lose to Kentucky in, like, 40 yep. years and you know they've lost to Missouri and got blown out by South Carolina so I suppose um, that's a fitting a fitting stat to put on at the end of the era um, you know it started out with so much promise obviously in terms in terms of Felipe Franks turning things around and feeling positive about him um, even though he was sort of the anti-Emory Jones right shushing the crowd and that sort of stuff um, especially in that 2018 campaign the three straight you know mm-hmm. um, you know power bowls that they went to the you know un- under Mullen you're sitting there going okay like Things are heading in the right direction. I'll be honest, though, the thing that concerned I, most of us who were recruitniks were that we were sort of going to be perpetually 10 and 3. So, you know, I do sort of look at this. This season has been has been rough, right? And I think it's been rough for us, but it's really been rough for all Florida fans. But at the end of the day, I think that the roughness of this particular year might actually end up being a blessing in disguise. Because if Napier is able to come in and is able to turn the recruiting around and is able to turn the discipline around and is able to sort of implement a Saban-like process to the overall to the overall organization, then I think maybe this season ends up being that place where you say, hey, if we'd have been in perpetual 10-3 and 3 mode, then we never would have made the changes that needed to be made. And one of the things I think that's really encouraging is that I do think this season convinced the administration that changes needed to be made and agreed to, right? That was sort of the thing that Napier was pushing for, I think, in some of the negotiations with making sure that he had money for the staff. And if the rumors today on The Athletic or, or the reporting from The Athletic is true, there's a bunch of NFL guys who are about to come into the room and, and they aren't going to put up with, you know, the shenanigans that got put up with in, in some situations this year. So, um, well, you, exci- you read my mind, man. That's where I was going to go next. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what's coming up, right? I mean, you got, um, obviously, I mean, if I was Billy Napier, I'd have this game playing all off season long, like, cause you know, there's going to be crowing from UCF or central Florida. And, uh, you know, you know, that's going to be there. And obviously they're not the goal, but at the same time, or maybe you replay the Georgia game over and over, but <laughs> but there's plenty of film to put up on the uh, you know when they're up for those 5 a.m. workouts to uh, to take advantage of and to, and to motivate the players this off season because I'm sure that uh, the bulk of them coming back are going to be uh, are, are going to want to make sure they don't have this taste in their mouth again. 
Absolutely, Will. So, yeah, going to your point there, I guess we'll give it a little bit of update. Some reports did come out from the athletic and football scoop uh, as well of some of Billy Napier's uh, next uh, staff hires. Look, we've seen the last few days some – we'll even add into the Army assistant strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, look, we were happy we just got one in Nick Savage and the way you looked like he had turned Florida around, uh, you know, early in the Dan Mullen era. But now we're getting word of – assistant strength and conditioning coaches here we're getting all giddy and excited because as you know napier is keeping to his word of build, building that army here uh so if we go and look at it right here and there's the word coming out today uh from the athletic napier seeking to bring aboard chris rump from the chicago bears former gator uh as well uh when i think he went to tennessee and now he's in the nfl uh, there with Chicago Bears, Carl Scott from the Minnesota Vikings, and Eric Henderson of the Los Angeles Rams on the defensive side, and also aims to reunite with New York Giants offensive line coach Rob Sell, uh, the source indicated to the Athletic. So those discussions are on hold until those NFL teams complete their seasons. Also, the Athletic adds Napier might be able to move sooner in targeting Michigan State assistant William Pigler as tight ends coach. Spartans wrap up their season by facing Pitt in the Chick-fil-A Bowl on December 30th. Contracts aren't finalized. The staff is primed to feature four $1 million assistant coaches with Scott Henderson Sale and co-defensive coordinator Patrick Tony. Napier, of course, has that $7.5 million allocated for full-time assistants. Last year's own staff under Dan Mullen earned around $6.1 million, though Todd Defensive coordinator Todd Grantham was among the highest paid defensive coordinators at $1.8 million. Ugh. It's a <laughs> kick to the gut there, of course, we, but we all knew how much he was getting paid and part of the reason why we were so ticked at everything there. Uh, so to add to that, Will, football scoop um, ended up uh, putting some uh, more info out there, especially from the Rob Sale side, uh, that Billy Napier is poised to add Rob Sale into an elevated offensive assistant role, numerous sources told football scoop. Sale is expected to have heavy input on the Gators' offensive schemes. So interesting there, you know, Billy Napier, uh, I asked him about that at the press conference. He's going to be the play caller. Uh, but it does look like now Rob Sale, who he has a, a big-time relationship with, an extended relationship with uh, for Billy Napier and Rob Sale, that he will, be, uh, have, or he will have heavy input on the Gators' offensive scheme. Additionally, per multiple sources, Napier is poised to bring in Carl Scott, a former Alabama Crimson Tide assistant who has spent this season on staff with the Minnesota Vikings into a co-defensive coordinator role that will entail Scott overseeing the Gators' outside linebackers. And they go on to, confirm, they go on to say the Athletic has also reported that Napier has targeted Sale and Scott, among others, to round out his staff. So there you go, some big names there, Will, coming from the NFL side of things and uh, those guys have been in college, coach college, uh, Alabama ties. Um, it's always nice to hear about uh, there, especially with Billy Napier and their relationship there. But does the as we turn the page uh, from the disappointing showing in the 29-17 loss to U- UCF, that everybody at the same time is just ready to, okay, it, it is what it is. We'll turn the page. We're excited for Billy Napier, what he can bring to the table. And on the same day, we'll, we'll get all those big-time names there. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing that jumps out to me about all those guys is their age. I mean, you've got Rumpf, who's 50, but then you look at Sale, who's 42, Henderson, who's 38, and Scott, who I think is 34. And then you look at Patrick Tony, who I think is 32. And, you know, you hear, heard all the stories of him playing PlayStation the night before early signing oh, yeah. day with Shamar James. And you sit there and go, ah, is Greg Nord playing PlayStation? Or, you know, is, is, is uh, you know. Nobody talks about this playing. He's not playing Call of Duty till 2 o'clock in the morning. So from the ability to relate to these guys, I think that really makes a difference. And then you look at a guy like Henderson, who's coached Aaron Donald, right, at, at, at in St. Louis. And so when he tells somebody like Gervon Dexter or somebody like Desmond Watson what they need to do, he just needs to, like, have him text Aaron Donald and ask him, should they do that? Would that help? So I, I think those are some things that, at the end of the day, one – make a difference from building relationships. And that's one of the things that Napier's really been really been pushing. But the other thing is, is just the credibility of those guys who are going to come into the room. A guy who's 38 and spent five years, you know, three with the Rams and, and then, you know, has Aaron Donald on his resume. What are you going to say to that guy? So I, I think it's a positive development. Obviously, I think going for the youth makes a big difference. I think, you know, having co-defensive coordinators is probably good because we're going to see a turnaround on the defensive side of the ball. I have no doubt. And so I suspect that some of those defensive guys are going to be in high demand in the next year or two. Um, and, and obviously two years ago, if we'd had a competent defense, Florida's probably playing for the championship. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, look, the jury's still out on Napier. It's going to be out on Napier mm -hmm. until about August of next year. I think we'll know where he is in terms of, you know, at least the first steps that he needs to take in terms of both recruiting and then also, you know, is what's the staff doing during the offseason? How are these guys developing? Those sorts of things. You know, we all thought Nick Savage was going to be a panacea for the strength and conditioning program, and and Florida just got dominated in the fourth quarter against Central Florida. So, um, you know, I, I don't – you don't want to jump to conclusions. I think there's some historical markers that you need to hit. And I think these coaches suggest that Napier has a plan for how to hit those, but obviously we're going to have to keep monitoring because, you know, there's only one team that can win the championship every year and usually only two that can make it to the playoff from the SEC. So until they expand out to 12 teams, um, you know, you're going to have to start hitting those historical markers and we'll, we'll be here to tell everybody is whether we're hitting them or not as things progress, certainly. Well, I think everybody was ready for the change anyway uh, of what was going to happen. But then you get that performance versus Central Florida. And look, of course, it, it kind of um, – you look at it – some people look at it and say, well, of course, you know, this, this is how it ends. And uh, that, that last stat there, of course, that, that I threw out there and that ESPN Stats and Info put out there, the last in-state school other than Miami and Florida State to beat Florida was Stetson in 1938. I mean, that's just you – know, look, that's how the Dan Mullen era ends, uh, unfortunately, and – uh, look, yeah, of course he didn't coach this game, but this is his staff, his players. They were in They were in this position because of uh, well, you know Dan Mullen and and how that ended. So um, you don't have to pile dirt on him or anything. I'm just saying that's just how this how it ends uh, with him fired a few weeks ago. His team, his players, and this is uh, the position they were in to play UCF in a bowl game and then lose that game, 29 uh, to 17. There, so well, I guess we got the bragging rights over FSU. Uh, a bit about the only bragging rights we can take away from uh, Dan Mullen's final season at Florida. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Mullen has left Florida in a stronger position than he took it over. I, I think that's undoubtedly true. The level of player that he's brought in is higher than the level of player that Jim McElwain had. But I think Mullen had considerable warts. 
And so when you look at those warts, some of those warts were tied in with loyalty to guys who were older. Some of that was tied in with, you know, allowing disciplinary issues to fester. Um, and, and there were other things too. And Strickland even spoke to this when, when he dismissed Mullen is that the wins and losses or the lack of wins and the, the, um, multitude of losses were a symptom of the things that were sort of rotting underneath that in, in the program. And so Mullen allowed that to happen. And so I think we need to be, be critical of those sorts of things. At the same time, I do think that the program's in better shape than when he took over when Jim McElwain left. And so both of those things can be true. And so I think there's an ability for somebody to come in and make it be a relatively quick turnaround. Again, I don't think you're necessarily going 12 and one next year, but you know, can you go 10 and three next year and then get a big recruiting class and turn that into a 12 and one? I think that's possible. And, and, you know, you got to have the right guy and Napier has to be the right guy, but Mullen has left enough tools in the cupboard that, that the next coach is going to be able to, I think, take advantage of it if he's skilled enough to do so. So, um, you know, again, I look at it and I say, yeah, it's a fitting into the season. The season's been frustrating. This season is sort of an amalgam of all the different warts that have been wrong within the program. But there's a lot of things that are right within the program, too. And I think, um, you know, we do need to take note of the fact that you know, when Urban Meyer left in 2010, he said that this was a broken program. And he looks at all the arrests and all the stuff that had gone on. None of that stuff has gone on over the last couple of years. And so, you know, from the standpoint of is this a build or a rebuild it's clearly a rebuild right there are good players on the florida roster um they're inexperienced and undisciplined and those are things that that billy napier is gonna have to deal with but i think they're good players on the roster i think they're better than the players that dan mullen inherited and so i do think that there's an opportunity to turn this around pretty quickly assuming that napier is the right guy for the job um so you know i, I i'm not mad at dan mullen it didn't work out you know, this was always an experiment. It was an experiment of whether you could recruit in that, you know, eight to 12 level nationally and compete. And it turns out that that's not true, especially if you don't hit a quarterback. And, you know, Emory Jones, uh, up until this game, has not been terrible. He's been a bit of a turnover machine, but he hasn't been terrible. Um, but he hasn't been great. And the problem is, is then we saw this last year with Kyle Trask that Florida needed great in order to get to where Dan Mullen was hoping to take him. And the minute that the minute it became average, then the whole, the whole house of cards fell apart. So um, I think that's really what excites people about Napier though, right? As he's talking about process, he's talking about slow build. He's talking about making sure that all the things that underlie those wins are in place so that you don't have a house of cards, that you've got a strong foundation that's beneath everything. We'll see whether he can deliver on those promises, but certainly I think that uh, the foundation is there for him to be able to do that. He'll have to rearrange a few things, maybe fix a few cracks in the foundation, but I don't think he has to completely overhaul the house. And so that's sort of the the lesson I take from from Dan Mullen and his departure. Yeah, all started last year, Will, well, that, that LSU game, of course, and uh, just never really got off the ground from that. I mean, you do, go back and look since that game, what, maybe three good games Florida played, twice versus Alabama and this year versus Tennessee. I mean, g- given the opponent, I think I, I, you have to put that in there as well, I think. Uh, that's, I mean, about the only good games ever since that LSU game last year. Uh, I think when you when you look at the opponents that Florida played. So, uh, look, I've had a lot of fun since 2018. Dan Mullen got in here. I had a lot of fun covering Florida. I had a lot of fun going to games and tailgating with it, with, with everybody and, and being a fan. Uh, but uh, it was it, it was time for a change. And look, tonight personified that. It was the best example of that uh, and where this program is at right now. And 
think that's why we're excited. We we are excited to see what the next step is uh, for Florida. I, I agree with you. I think there's some there's some good players on this roster to do something with, uh, and tough schedule. Walks into a very, very tough schedule the first month of the season next year, Will. Uh, but you know, between, before we even get to that point, of course, we got a February signing day to get to. We'll see what the next few weeks hold uh, as far as that goes. A lot of uh, positive momentum going there after early signing day. Uh, so that's something to look forward to as well uh, when we get to you know, learn even more uh, about Billy Napier. Then spring ball. Well, we, we got a lot to learn uh, about Billy Napier. He gave us that uh, step process he has. I think there's, what, eight phases of it, and there's something every day for these players in, some, in a calendar to do, all the way up to, to, to kickoff and game day uh, when that comes around in September. Uh, but we'll be here, of course. And we'll, it's uh, you know, kind of t- to wrap everything up here. We'll, as we wrap up the Dan Mullen era, put a bow in the 2021 season as well, uh, been good for us too. Uh, a lot of growth there with Gators Breakdown, and I can't thank everybody out there enough. I know it didn't work out like I wanted it to last t- tonight with the Gators Breakdown Plus members, but uh, launching that as well. And a big thank you to everybody who's jumped on board with that. But it's been a fun season uh, that uh, that we, we got to cover here, an eventful season. Oh, or I guess I could say we had fun covering it. I wouldn't uh, let me rephrase that. Not a fun season. But we, we did have a lot of fun covering it uh, and only, you know, the, the way we do here uh, on Gators Breakdown expanded, a lot more coverage, and uh, we put a bow. We put a bow on it, and we move and transition to another era. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things about college football that I really value, it's something where, um, you know, my, my father and I don't have a lot in common, but one of the things we have in common is the Florida Gators. Go down there and watch a game with him every year, and my brother's gotten involved in that too. And so, you know, j- the wins and losses are important, and I care about those sorts of things. But the bringing together of people, I think, is one of the things that makes college football so much more special to me than things like the NFL and and, and that sort of stuff, right? And so it's, it's not necessarily um, always the wins and losses. Obviously, you want to celebrate the championships, but the 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 journey to get there is actually sort of the fun part. I mean, when you look back, like I, I look back to when Mullen was hired and, you know, we had Sykes on like a midnight episode when we were talking through and we made jokes about Chip Kelly and how we thought he was going to be a great fit and what a disaster he's been out at UCLA. And, you know, it, it's been a fun ride to sort of progress from where we were at the start to where we are now and, and the relationships that we have with people that we had at the start and where those are now. And so, you know, I, I just have to say thank you to you, man, for having me on here and giving me this platform and, and exposing me to all of these people who love the Florida program as much as we do. And, and it's just a blast, right? It's a blast. People trust us to talk about it. Certainly it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. And we do it because we enjoy the, we love the program and we enjoy football. And certainly I think we're excited that there are better days coming and, you know, the national championships that hopefully are coming in the next three or four years are going to be an awesome high because of the steps you've taken right and and it's no fun if you just win every year i'm not sure i'd want to be an alabama fan at this point because <laughs> it's just expected and i think we kind of felt that in 2008 right i mean even the players talked about it a little bit after that 2008 season where there was like this expectation and it was a slog in the 2009 season especially with mullen leaving and adazio taking over at offensive coordinator and the expectation you were going to put up 50 or 60 points and you know it just didn't it didn't materialize there in 2009 and they fall short to Alabama. Um, I think we all thought that was going to go on forever and then it didn't. 
And so, you know, if Billy Napier is able to come in here and build the program into something that's competing for championships, hey, at the end of the day, I think we all need to really embrace that and appreciate it. And I think we'll appreciate it a lot more because of sort of being out in the desert over the last decade. So um, it's a long-winded way of me saying thank you. Happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas. And certainly appreciate uh, appreciate you, Dave, and appreciate everybody who's helped us grow and helped us uh, participate here at Gators Breakdown and also over at Read and Reaction. Yeah, absolutely, everybody. Uh, check out Will there at Read and Reaction. Uh, he, he's expanded that, too. Gators Breakdown Read and Reaction kind of – we grew a lot this fall uh, with expanded coverage uh, in, in multiple mediums there. So uh, it's been a, been a lot of fun watching the, the growth from both sides. And uh, as you said, I, I, I tried to get this out on – look, it is – past midnight now so it is december 24th so it is christmas eve now but i know everybody's gonna be hitting the road uh so one reason i needed to do this because i gotta hit the road pretty early on christmas eve so i uh, needed to get something out there uh, a little instant reaction after the ucf game but also give you guys something out there as you riding around visiting family on the christmas holiday give you something to listen to Wish it was better. Wish it was better news to, 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 to listen to, that you could listen to. Uh, but uh, you get Will, Will and I thoughts here as this season wraps up and the Gators finish six and seven on the season. And we can officially turn the page. Excited I'm excited for it, Will. So a lot to get into. We've already coached. We, we, like, we, we didn't get to cover the Muschamp McIlwain transition, but we did get to cover the McIlwain Mullen transition. So uh, a lot to learn still about Billy Napier, style of offense, style of his assistance defense. You know, a lot out there about Tony uh, and the style of defense, all these new hires coming up as well. So keep it locked in, keep it tuned in here, even during the offseason. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have it all. We'll, we'll dive into uh, Billy Napier and, and what we can expect from him uh, in his Gator career. Absolutely, man. Never a dull moment that, you know, I think you sort of coined that moniker not knowing what it really meant. Nope. And now that you know what it means, you, you know <laughs> what it means in terms of the time commitment you have to make. So, uh, you know, nobody better in the business is Gator Day, folks. And certainly, um, you know, head over to the Gators Breakdown Plus. And make sure you sign up for that because it's cool to support somebody who's uh, as plugged into the program, but also as, as good a person as Dave. So make sure you support him over there. Ah, thank you, Will. Thank you much. Happy holidays, Will, you and your family, uh, everybody out there as well. Gators Breakdown listeners, read reaction um, listeners and readers, all that good stuff. You can, Will, um, what you got? You got come, are you really going to review this game much at all? Or what you got I, I in, the, in the holidays in the next couple of days, too? So, uh, what, what yeah, you got? Yeah, I, I got some time off. There will be some stuff up there. There's actually an article up today looking at Jack Miller, the, the transfer. Yep. Um, and, an, and an incorrect prediction about what's going to happen in the Gasparilla Bowl there at the end of it. But uh, <laughs> but if you're interested in knowing, you know, Miller's got a pretty decent profile in terms of like his recruiting profile and where he ranks to Joe Burrow. So the question I asked in that one is, is he the next Joe Burrow? And so head over there and see if you want that. The other thing is I've, I've had people ask me to provide uh, audio versions of the articles. So yeah. that, that hopefully is going to be coming over the holidays is get that set up so people can sign up and get audio versions of the articles that I write if, if – uh, you know, if you travel, if it's just easier for you to listen to it rather than read, you can hear my sultry voice as I tell you all <laughs> the things that are happening in, in Gatorland with the articles. So um, that's what's coming up next couple week, next week or two. You have to change the site to listen in reaction. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't know, man. I, I uh, It's too much work to change. So we're just going to go with it. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. That's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC and readandreaction.com and on YouTube at Read and Reaction. Him and Nick Newton uh, get together and uh, break everything uh, down there on their side. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.